Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. Well, good morning. Great to be with you this morning. I'm going to read from the scriptures for this morning that are from the book of Psalms and from the book of Mark. And reading from Psalm 46, for the director of music of the sons of Korah, according to Alamot, a song. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war seize to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. The Lord says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Moving along to Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. And then finally, we go on to Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 30. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do other people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, you're one of the prophets. 
But what about you guys, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's open in prayer. Father God, we are so grateful for your word of truth. We are so grateful, Lord, that you have given us your word so that we know your heart. We know how you feel. We know how you look at this crazy and messed up world. And you help us to see this world with your lens, with your eyes. Lord, as we come before you this day, just soften our hearts to your truth. Help us to cast away the stress and anxieties of life. Help us to focus only on you this morning. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Be still and do something. Be still and do something. Be still and do something. I just celebrated my 64th birthday on February 24th. It's crazy. You know what I think. You know how I feel. I look in the mirror, it's like, who is that guy? I see the gray hair. I see the wrinkles. I feel the aches. I feel the pains. But yet, in my mind, I'm still 25 years old. I'm 25 years old living in an old shell. What allows me to have the spirit of a 25-year-old? And I believe that it is the fact that I, I partake in our Christian disciplines. That every day I seek the face of the Lord. That keeps me young. So how does that help me? About eight years ago, I was in a man-up group. I was not a reader of the Bible. I came to the Lord in 2000. So for the first 12 years, I was not very much engaged with the word of God. But I was part of that group. It's like we were challenging each other. Can you start reading five minutes a day? Can you start reading 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day? And, and by the time that I am now, I'm reading the word of God an hour, two hours a day. That helps me stay young. And the way I read it, I don't read it in a rush. I'm not skimming through it. I'm trying to parse it through word by word, paragraph by paragraph, message by message. I want God's word to penetrate my heart. I want to be changed by his word. His word is not like Shakespeare or any other writers. What I say is even though genealogies are boring to read, one period, one comma in the, in the genealogies has more power than all other books written by humankind ever. It's that powerful. We need to soak ourselves in the word of God. But on top of reading God's word, I believe that we also need another discipline. So yes, we know God's heart through his word, but we also need the discipline of prayer. And I've come to prayer very late in life. I was one of these guys, and this resonates with you. It's like God already knows what he's going to do. What does he need me to tell him for? I thought it was a waste of time. That we do corporate prayer, I'm good with that. But my personal prayer life with the Lord was very weak. But I came to realize that prayer is God's way of changing my heart. Not to change his heart and to push his hand in the direction I wanted to go. But for him to change and soften my heart. I'm not naturally a compassionate person. I look at people and say, you have a job problem? Go find one. You don't have enough money? Get a job. You know, I, I'm very practical that, that we can solve a lot of the issues that we have in life. But I believe that God has softened my heart to look at people with more compassionate spirit. 
So this is the discipline that I have invoked in the last few months. I'm, I started at Psalm 1-1, and every day I go through and I just pray over a verse of the psalm. So today I prayed over Psalm 17-6, which said, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me, turn your ear to me, and hear my prayer. And I just turned that into a prayer, and I said, Lord, I do call on you. I do trust you, Lord. I know you will answer me, that when I speak to you, I'm not speaking to a God who's deaf, but you will answer me, and you care about me, and you want to give me your perspective so I can get through this life. That's my first prayer. The second prayer is praying for a country. Thanks to Pat Gaudio, she handed us a guide from Voice of the Martyrs last week at Lampliders. And it's 100 pages of 100 different nations where the church is persecuted. And today I prayed over Bhutan, and that's really interesting because we have a lot of Bhutanese right here in Pittsburgh. And not only am I praying for them, I'm going on the map and geographically trying to think, okay, where's Benin, where's Bhutan, where's Bangladesh? And I'm just learning the map of the world so I can have better geography to see what God is doing across the world. This practice, too, has softened my heart to nations I don't know anybody from. But I want the Lord, I want the gospel to move to these places. My final prayer is a prayer of stillness. It's this. Quiet, no music. It's just me and God. It's like, Lord, speak to me. Help me this day. And I just get quiet. And sometimes I'll hear words of encouragement. Bruce, you're doing great. Let's keep going on this path together. Sometimes I'll get a nudge. Like, call your brother. You haven't talked to him for a month. Go call him. Or go visit your neighbor. So I get those nudges. But I believe that we need that silence of the world to hear God. We need God in our lives. So let me repeat Psalm 46.10 again. It says, the Lord says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Hebrew word behind be still is rafa, which basically says, give it up, relax, be weak. So the vision of be still is not this, I'm just going to sit here doing nothing, but this idea of taking everything in life that we hold onto so dearly and so tightly and letting it go. The anxieties we have, let it go. The child who's doing what we want them to do, let it go. God has the power to transform. Our job is just to release and let him be active. I believe that we need faith in God to transform the world. This is a dark place. It's not getting any better. We do not have the human power to fix this. Prayer is what allows us to say, God, I need you to step it up. I need you to crash into my son's life who is far from you. I need you to touch the community of Whitehall, Castle Shannon, Mount Lebanon, where we're from. Because we need his power and his grace to transform. I don't have the power to get people jobs. I don't have the power to change people's hearts. I was on the phone the other day with Sam. Sam is a young guy, a mentor. He has three daughters. Number four is on the way. And Sam's wife is sick during the pregnancy. He's like, Bruce, 
I feel all alone. I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of the three daughters. They're not listening to me. This is a disaster. This is a mess. And I'm going to sleep later than ever. I'm barely getting any sleep. I'm living on fumes. I still have a full-time job. I can't do this. And I said, Sam, let's just stop right now and let's pray. And he's like, wow, what a great idea. <laughs> but, but we stopped. We prayed. And we said, Lord, enter into Sam's life. Help him with his three daughters. Help him to be the husband and the father that you have called him to be. I could have sat there and said, Sam, you need to do these three or four things to help your daughters change. But we went to the one who can do change, who can transform, who can and do do miraculous things if we trust him. So we pray to trust God. We pray to let go. We pray to be humble. We pray to allow his grace and his power to enter in. Honestly, I think fear gets in the way of prayer. Fear gets in the way of prayer because I know this, right? If I start praying, Lord, use me today, oh, wow, he might. <laughs> He's going to send me to some crazy place or he can tell me to go see that neighbor I despise. It's a risky bit. So it's safer not to pray, it's not to be engaged and just live our own sheltered life. It's easier to do that way. But we miss the blessings. The blessings in my life, and I can attest to this, is the blessings in my life is when I can say, the Lord used me today to reach someone at Panera who I didn't know yesterday, but I could see that in their hearts they saw Jesus Christ through me. That's power. That's prayer. That's effective ministry, not my power, not my kindness, but the Lord's working through me. So this is the basic idea. We have two basic disciplines. We read God's word and we actively pray. And what I believe is as we do these two disciplines that the spirit of the Lord can be through us and upon us, working through us. That we can each touch the outside world with his grace and his peace and his kindness. Especially to people who will never come in this building. The model of the church was always, hey, bring them in and we'll teach them about Jesus. The model now is, no, we got to go out and reach them where they're at. They're not coming here. What are we going to do about it? So we each have the power of Christ living in us through word, through prayer, to touch the world for Christ. So I have friends that I meet 7.30, 8 o'clock every morning. We talk about life. And they say, what, what are you so excited about, Bruce? What are you so passionate about? That's pretty easy. I'm passionate about what God is doing. God is on the throne. God is actively working in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. Don't mess this. All he's asking for us to do is participate. He's doing the work. We just got to participate and bring his word to the people we meet. That takes me to the second part of my message. So the first part was about the disciplines of prayer and reading the word. The second part is service. Be still, do something. So before I leave the house, I say, Lord, use me today. I'm available. I'm retired. Let's go on an adventure today. I want to see you do something through me and around me. It's not about me. I'm a jar of clay, I'm just a body of bones. But 
When we live this way, we are seizing the day. We don't let the life, we don't let the day live us. We live the day. I am going through the day minute by minute intentionally. Life doesn't happen to me. Through Christ, I am living my life. I am living my dream. I am touching the world. We can all live that way. Two, two Wednesdays ago, some of us went to McKeesport and served some hot dogs. Linda's a friend of mine, and she has this ministry on the streets of McKeesport every Wednesday from 1 to 4. They have this cart they push around, and they are just handing hot dogs to the street people. And people come up to the cart, various walks of life. Some are on break from work. Some are homeless. Some are drunk. But you just meet people. You say, here's a hot dog. And by the way, can we pray for you? Oh, and by the way, here's a scripture. We have like a deck of scriptures. Let them pick a scripture that they can read for themselves. And oftentimes it touches their heart immediately. We are Jesus on the streets of McKeesport. We are Jesus on the streets of Dormont. These people will never go to a church, but yet they wait for Linda and her gang every Wednesday for the hot dog and the prayer. While we were there, there were four gunshots or four people who were shot in McKeesport a mile away from where we were. And we, we prayed, it's like, Lord, this community needs your transformation. There's no laws. There's no government programs that could solve the disaster that McKeesport's in. But with the power of Christ, it can be changed. So let me read Mark 60, Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 31 again and make my point. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me. By yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. This was right before the miracle of feeding the 5,000. The Lord said, hey, let's come away. Let's gain some strength. Let's get revitalization. We need to be equipped before we engage those crazy people. Your own power, guys, can never transform the world. But my power through you can do the transformation. A few weeks ago, I was at Panera, my favorite place. <laughs> and there was a guy, Chris, and Chris had been in the, in the lobby outside Panera Galleria for three consecutive days as I was just walking through. And I said, that guy's been here for three days. I just walked up to his table through a nudge of the Lord and said, hey, man, what's going on? My name is Bruce. What's your name? He said, my name's Chris. I said, here's my, and I have a business card. I'm retired, but I have a business card representing Toastmasters, my hobby, other than the Lord. And, and I said, here's my Toastmasters card. And he's like, this is amazing. I've been looking to get plugged into Toastmasters. And Toastmasters is a public speaking club or network, if you will. And he said, I've been looking for this, but I've been too busy. So we connected on Toastmasters. He came to a meeting recently. He's like, I want to join this. This is great. He has subsequently come to Christian Business Partners, another networking group I'm part of. And we've talked about life and faith. He had just been baptized three days before we met. It's an, it's an incredible story. It's through the nudge of the Spirit and the listening to the nudge that creates stories like Chris. And I believe that the Lord is leading me towards mentoring him in his faith walk. He's a young Christian. 
He needs older guys in his life to touch him, affect him, and make him a man of God. But do you see the process? The process is, is that we invest in ourselves and our relationship with Jesus Christ every morning. And then when we reach the cold, dark, crazy world, we have his power to engage it. And we have a choice. We can go through life with eyes wide open, like, Gord, what are you doing? Or live like this with blinders on. I choose eyes wide open. I want to see what God is doing. But the choice is ours. The Lord is not going to push our hand one way or another. The choice is ours. And that brings me to this point that's, that Jesus had made in Mark 8, 29, where Jesus looks at his disciples about, what are you guys? What are you guys, who do you say I am? Are we able to, like Peter, and say, you indeed, Jesus Christ, are the Messiah. You are the Savior of the world. You are the one who can transform darkness into light. You are the one who heals and restores. You are the Lord of the impossible. As for me, I choose to live in victory. I choose to live in risk. I choose to live in adventure. I choose faith. I choose to be best friends with my Savior, Jesus Christ. I choose life. I want us all to choose life. When we live that way, we can stay forever young. We may pray for revival, but we are revival. Don't miss this. Revival is where we want the Spirit of God to fall down upon this congregation. But we need to be so filled with the Spirit that as we go through life, we are revival. Whoever we touch, we are bringing revival to them. We are being revived ourselves. But it really comes down to this. Love God through our personal discipline with him in the morning. Love others through service and loving the world. So what's the Lord telling us this morning? What's the message the Lord wants us to hear? The Lord is saying loud and clear, be still and do something. Let's pray. Father God, we are, you are awesome. We love you, Father. We want to grow in intimacy with you. We want to know your heart better. Father, I pray that you help each of us to carve out time with you every day. Help us to grow in prayer. Help us to grow in knowledge of your word. Help us, Father, to serve others and love others as you have first loved us. We are so grateful, Lord, to be called your children. You have given us such a mission and a vision. Help us not to live selfishly and in isolation, but help us to breathe and to live for you, Lord. We pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.